Now in 1 Timothy 1.16, we have the verse. Most uh, Christians are acquainted with this verse. Remember it. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Some years ago, we had one of the most profound scholars and uh, consecrated Christians and real Bible students and teachers I've ever known, Dr. G. Campbell Morgan. He said, oh, how I thank God that we do not have to know and understand everything in the Bible in order to be saved. No, he said, if that were true, nobody would ever get into heaven. Because the great majority of the people do not understand many things in God's book. But the, the way of salvation is very, made very plain. The gospel of Christ is the fact that Christ died for our sins and was buried and was raised again the third day, having been delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Now in the sixth chapter of the book of John, the gospel of John, Christ said, I came down from heaven. Think of that. I came down from heaven. Now Christ uh, was in the bosom of the Father, we're told. That refers before and after his incarnation, we. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Think of that. Where did you come from? Well, I don't mean your birth, uh, but your birthplace. Where were you born? Oh, we have people, I've noticed in, as pastor of our church, we have sometimes here people from 20 different states and from other lands, other countries, Europe and Asia. And all of us came from somewhere on earth. We were conceived in sin, shaped in iniquity. We were born of the will of the flesh and the will of man. But the Lord Jesus Christ said, I came down from heaven. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sin. Yes, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, they didn't treat him royally. He's going to show in his own time who is that blessed potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? But when he came the first time, they called him a Samaritan and said he hath a demon. He was indeed the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was hated without a cause. And they rejected him. They released Barabbas, who was a murderer and an anarchist, a thief and a notable criminal. And that cross that was constructed for the middle cross for Barabbas, the son of the father, the son of Satan, on that cross went the Lord Jesus Christ, despised and rejected of man, the stone rejected by the builders. But he was delivered according to the determinant counsel and foreknowledge of God. That's what it meant that he came in the world to save sinners. We can't be saved 
by imitating Jesus, trying to walk in the footsteps of the Master, striving with the golden rule or struggling with the Sermon on the Mount. You can't get within a billion miles of heaven by trying to imitate Jesus Christ. You can't practice the ethics of Jesus until you get the nature of Jesus. You were born with the nature of Adam. You have to be born again before you can ever see the kingdom of God or get into the kingdom of God. Where God's creation created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now, this is a faithful saying. It's a very simple saying. It's a very important statement. I have a book entitled, The Important or the Great Statement of Statements of Great Men. Well, you can put them all together in one side of the balance, and this simple statement, more important than all the others, because Jesus Christ asked a great question. What shall it profit a man, though he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What is this simple statement? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came down from heaven. When he went to the cross of Calvary, he was not the helpless victim of circumstances. He was not a religious martyr who came to an untimely end. His death was neither premature nor accidental. The time of his death and the manner of his death was set way before he died on the cross. And even before the foundation of the world, he was ordained to be the spotless Lamb of God. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, and it's worthy of the acceptation of all. But we're busy today having a good time. My, how prosperous people are today, and the material things. God says, love not the world, neither the things of the world. And uh, we know that the love of the world and all of these things are against the uh, people today in such a way that the great majority do not receive the Lord Jesus Christ. They do not seem to think that they have a responsibility to God. But remember when the Son of God died on that cross, the omnipotent, eternal, omniscient Christ, he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Remember what the boy said about John 3:16. He said, God said it, Christ did it. I believe it. That settles it. That's true. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is worthy of the acceptation of all. Yes, it's a very simple statement. You don't have to be a, a theologian. You don't have to be a profound Bible student to understand that Jesus Christ came down from heaven, went to Calvary's cross, died on the cross. He said, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it up again. And then he showed himself alive by many infallible truths. And they saw him and ate with him. Then they saw him ascend in his resurrection body. And there at the right hand of God, the glorified risen Christ is the living Christ today, ever living to make intercession for all who've been redeemed by his uh, God's master's grace. Will you come by faith to Calvary and receive the Lord Jesus Christ? If you will, if you write to us, we'll send you a nice little book entitled What It Means to Be a Christian. This is Pastor J.C. O'Hare, O-H-A-I-R. And the address is 1011 Wilson Avenue in Chicago. 
Now, we've been broadcasting since July the 17th, 1924, and we've had the wonderful privilege all these years of specializing in the gospel of the grace of God. We're always glad to hear from our radio friends. Remember the address, 1011 Wilson Avenue, Chicago, until our next broadcast. O'Hare, 1011 Wilson Avenue in Chicago. We're always glad to hear from our radio friends, and we appreciate it very much when you tell others of our broadcast. At this time, we're going to use as our subject the greatest story of the ages, and it's found in the second chapter of the Paul's epistle to the Philippians, beginning at the fifth verse of the second chapter of Philippians. Now we bow to give thanks to Almighty God. We worship Him as the God of all grace, the God of peace who brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. We worship Him as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, thanking Him with Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope by his resurrection from the dead. By grace through faith in Jesus, I am forever saved. Not that I am religious or so very well behaved. The best I have by nature, God will not receive. But I have life eternal because in Christ I believe. If man is saved by doing, why was Jesus slain? If the law could save a sinner, his death was all in vain. By the law no man was righteous, nor is he now today, but by grace through faith in Jesus who put our sin away. Well, now Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, having been in the form of God, thought it not a thing to be grasped after, to be on the equality with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow up things in heaven and in earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Here we have, indeed, the greatest story of the age. Christ Jesus, having been in the form of God. 
Yes, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Thus we're introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ in the first chapter of John. And in the twentieth chapter, after his resurrection, we find Thomas, who saw the nail prints and the wound in his side, the scars, said, My Lord and my God. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't say, Thomas, you're mistaken. I'm a good man, but I'm not Lord. I'm not God. I want to tell you, my dear friend, when he said to the rich young ruler, the Lord said, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but God. If Jesus Christ was not God, he was not good. He was both good and God, or he was neither good nor God. In the tenth chapter of John, right in the middle of the book, that book, you remember, they took up stones to stone him. He says, Many good works have I done, for which good work do you stone me? They said, For no good work, but because thou being a man, makest thyself God. Yes, he was God and made himself man and became a man. He became he made himself God. When he stood before Pilate and the religious people brought a charge against him, they said he ought to die because he made himself equal with God. Well, he thought it not a thing to be grasped after to be on equality with God. He said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. He said, My Father that gave them me is greater than all, and I and Father are one. He said, Father, glorify thou me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. No man hath seen God at any time, except the only begotten in the bosom of the Father. He hath revealed him. Yes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and Christ is in the very first verse and the very first word of Genesis. In the beginning, Elohim, and Elohim is the plural of Eliah. And in Genesis 1.26, when Elohim says, Let us make man in our own image, the Lord Jesus Christ was there. Five times in the Bible we find that everything that was made that was, was made was made by the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was in the form of God. What a difference it'll make in the life of the Christian when they hear the Bible. You're not your own, you're bought with a price. And they realize that the man that died on that cross for our redemption was the creator of the universe, almighty God in human form. Certainly no man that was conceived in sin and shaped in iniquity, whether he was the son, the son of Joseph, or any other man, no matter how good the father may have been. He could never communicate grace to a sinner. The Lord Jesus Christ was not born within the natural law of procreation. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He was God in human form. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, as we read in God's book. Now notice, he was in the form of God. God is a spirit. And in the 35th chapter of Isaiah, beginning at the third verse there, we have the prophetic words from Isaiah that God would come down to heaven and he would be Israel's savior and that he would uh, heal the sick 
cleanse the lepers, open the eyes of the blind, give hearing to the deaf, and speech to the dumb, and heal the lame. In the seventeenth, in the seventh chapter of Luke, rather, beginning at the nineteenth verse, when John the Baptist's disciples said, "To Christ art thou he that should come, or look we for the of another?" Are you the God of Isaiah 35, 3-6? And in that same hour, the Lord Jesus Christ performed all the miracles that were foretold in the 35th chapter of Isaiah. He healed the sick, he cleansed the lepers, he raised the dead. And he proved it, and he says, Go tell John what you see. And remember, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and believing you might have life through his name. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. You remember in the first chapter of Hebrews, God who at sundry times and in divers manners and times past spake unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us in his Son, by whom he fashioned the ages. And he said that he appointed him heir of all things, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says that he was in the form of God, and he thought it not a thing to be grasped after to be on equality with God. He made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself. That's the kenosis, one of the most difficult doctrines in the Bible. Perhaps you've noted uh, The Lord Jesus Christ was perfect man, and he was perfect God. As perfect God, he would say to the palsied man, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. As God, he said to the thief on the cross, I say unto you today, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. In John 10, 28, he says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. But in his kenosis, as he emptied himself, he was also a man. And he quoted the word of God. He used the word of God, and he depended upon the Holy Spirit. Then he would say, as he would pray to his father, and then he'd say on the cross, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. You see, that's one of the most difficult things. We can't understand the Lord Jesus Christ. When uh, Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, he said, Blessed art thou, Simon Borjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And Christ said in the eleventh of Matthew, he said, no man knoweth the Son except the Father, and the one to whom the Father shall make him known. After that, in the wisdom of God, the world but wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now the Lord Jesus Christ did indeed empty himself. And uh, when he was here on earth, he became the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. For remember, we're told that he was made lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 23 times the Lord Jesus Christ foretold his death. Christ was made to die at the very time he died. And, you know, after he was raised from the dead in the fourth chapter, the last verses there in Acts, the Apostle Peter said, They have done none other things, and thy hand and thy counsel determined before should be done. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said in the 21st chapter of uh, Matthew there at the 42nd, 43rd verses? 
He said, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Oh, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden which God ordained to our glory before the world was, which none of the rulers of this world knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. After they cried away with him and crucify him, and you remember how they crowned him with a crown of thorns, the emblem of the curse, and they mocked and hissed and scoffed after Judas had betrayed him with that death kiss. And there on the cross, the holy, sinless Son of God said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Think of that. And God heard that prayer. And uh, 3,000 of those murderers were forgiven on the day of Pentecost. And in Acts 4.4, they were increased to 5,000. God is long-suffering. God is a merciful, compassionate Savior. He's the God of all grace, but God is a, is a just and a holy judge. And remember that true justice knows no mercy. The only reason why God can be just and be merciful to a sinner is because the Lord Jesus Christ, when he cried, it is finished. After he cried, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He vindicated the holiness and justice of God and satisfied God's judgment against the guilty world. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God, the free gift, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God has highly exalted him. We're not serving a dead Christ, but a living, glorified man at God's right hand. For this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. There's a glorified man at God's right hand. Some day, some hour, some moment in the twinkling of an eye, he's coming to take his church to glory. Then he's coming back to be the judge and the blessed potentate, the king of kings. He's the Savior of the world. He wants to be your Savior. Will you let him save you? By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, eternal life is mine. I am dead with Christ and risen too. I live by power divine. I'm looking for that blessed hope for my Savior to appear. While I wait for Christ to come, he lives in me down here.